0: Welcome to the Live Greater podcast series, information for a healthier you from the University of Maryland Medical System. I'm Amanda Wild. One of the most common women's health issues is fibroids. Today, we'll talk about what you should know about fibroids with Dr. O. Lawrence Stitt III, Director of Minimally Invasive Gynecologic Surgery and Medical Director of the Fibroid and Pelvic Pain Center at UM Capital Region Health. Welcome, Dr. Stitt. Thank you for being here. And first of all, what exactly are fibroids and what causes them?
1: Amanda, thank you so much for this opportunity this afternoon. Fibroids. Well, fibroids, from a 30,000-foot level are tumors. We often talk about fibroids as this condition, which is very, very common in women, but they're actually tumors. They're tumors of a particular type of cell that exists in the uterus. It's called a smooth muscle cell. So these are tumors, which are cells that grow out of control, faster than we like them to grow, and they can cause some significant problems.
0: And what causes these fibroids to grow?
1: You know... We know that there are certain predisposing factors, Amanda, some of which may include a genetic predisposition, some of which may include a diet and proper nutrition, but there are other factors that play a role that we just don't have a good grasp on. So we are looking for more research in the area, but one of the areas that we always see that plays a major role is a genetic predisposition. For example, some of the patients that I see in my office every day, they come in and say, hey, doc, I have these symptoms of which we're going to go into shortly of these fibroids. One of the first questions I ask Amanda is I say, tell me about your mom's menstrual cycle. How is it? And they'll tell me that, well, I don't know. I say, why? It's, I mean, mom has to proceed to that. We'll talk about it as well to treat her fibroids. So I say, mom has had fibroids. What about any aunts?" They tell me, well, yeah, aunts have fibroids as well. And that leads to our pretty good idea of the role that genetics plays a role in the inheritance of these fibroids.
0: Now, you are using words like tumors and out-of-control replicating cells. Sounds a lot like cancer. So are fibroids dangerous?
1: And I do that intentionally, Amanda, because I really want to draw patients, listeners, anyone that's concerned into the topic of fibroids. Let me just say as a blanket statement, fibroids are not cancerous. They are not cancerous. Less than 1% of the time, we see fibroids that turn into cancer, and that's a particular type of fibroid, big term, leomyosarcoma, just the name of a cancerous fibroid, but it occurs less than 1% of the time. So the other side of the glass, if we're looking at half empty and half full, is that greater than 99% of the time, they are not cancerous. What's 100% in this world? Nothing greater than 99.9%. We think is very, very, very good chance of not having a cancerous tumor.
0: So most fibroids are not cancerous. Are they dangerous? And do we still treat them?
1: We still treat them because of the symptoms that they cause, Amanda. You know, these fibroids, depending upon the size, the location, the patient's body habitus, can cause some significant problems. For example, if they're found to be, not to get too technical, but if they're found to be in the lining of the uterus, they can cause pains like significant bleeding, bleeding that can last 10 to 14 days of a menstrual cycle, which we think should typically last three to five days, bleeding so severe that it can cause anemia, bleeding so severe that a lot of my patients, Amanda, have to wear diapers or stay at home for the first two to three days of the menstrual cycle because they just can't go outside for fear that they may soil their clothes. That bleeding can also interfere with intimacy between partners. They can sole their bed sheets, and it can be really, really embarrassing. So fibroids can cause bleeding. They can also cause significant pain. You know, fibroids can cause pain that's so debilitating that some of my patients don't even wanna, as I said before, leave the house or participate in any extracurricular activities. They can also cause Things like urinary frequency, gotta to go to the bathroom, enter your bladder six, seven, eight times a day more than you would usually. They can cause constipation if they push on organs inside the belly, and that can be a problem as well. So they can cause some significant problems that could really interfere with the woman's quality of life.
0: So those are some severe symptoms that might tell us we might have a fibroid. If there are no symptoms, how would we monitor so that we know if we have a fibroid?
1: That is an awesome question. How do we know if we have one? You know, I compare this to a lot of what we do in medicine as it pertains to other diagnoses. am going to step away from fibroids for just a moment, but if someone in the family has colorectal cancer, we often get screened earlier. If someone has breast cancer in their family, we often get screened earlier. What we're proposing is that when we sit down with women at our gynecological visits, our annual exams or well-woman visits, let's ask the question, has anyone had fibroids in your family? And if that answer is yes, that's an opportunity to screen. Even if the patient has not had any symptoms whatsoever, that does not mean that a fibroid is not brewing, ready to cause a problem. So when do you know to go in? Well, you let your provider know your family's history, and then we start doing screening.
0: Can you get fibroids at any stage of life or are they most common at a certain age?
1: That's a good question. When do fibroids really show up? Well, we know they show up in pre-menopausal women, women that are of reproductive age. And that usually is between the area, this is somewhere around puberty all the way up to 47 to 52 years old, they can show up. In most cases, we don't see fibroids in teens. They do take some time to grow large enough to cause symptoms or to be seen. It's typically between the age of 25 to 27 up to 45 is when we see the group of women who have the most significant symptoms associated with fibroids.
0: Well, that's sort of childbearing age. So does pregnancy affect fibroids or do fibroids affect pregnancy? It does both, Amanda, believe it or not.
1: So pregnancy
0: affects fibroids
1: (laughs) and fibroids affect pregnancy. Let's start with what fibroids do to pregnancy. You know, pregnancy can cause problems with maintaining the space that the baby needs to grow for that 40 weeks a woman is supposed to be pregnant. If there's a fibroid inside the womb, and the baby needs to grow. You know, they start off with these cute little eggs, and they grow, and they grow. into the, And it's a beautiful thing, but they need space. And if they don't have the space to grow, what can often happen, Amanda, is that they tend to deliver early. Moms go into labor at 22, 23, 24 weeks. And that's a significant problem with a lot of complications. So fibroids can play a significant role on pregnancy and sometimes cause preterm labor and delivery. Let's talk about what pregnancy does to fibroids. You know, I've been doing this for a while. I don't practice obstetrics anymore. I focus on treating fibroids. But when I was a practicing obstetrician, I did it for about 15 years. And what I saw is that probably a third of the time, pregnancy can cause fibroids to shrink. Another third, they remain the same size. And then the last third, they become larger. So there's a variety of factors that play a role as it pertains to fibroids in pregnancy. But one key we do know is that fibroids use the blood supply to grow from. The baby needs the blood supply to grow from. So in most cases, what happens is by nature, fibroids remain the same size or shrink and the pregnancy continues. Plus it's so large it causes preterm delivery.
0: So you monitor these fibroids throughout the pregnancy?
1: The beautiful thing about that is, yes, we do monitor them. In our fibroid and pelvic pain center, we have a maternal fetal medicine specialist. I know that's a mouthful, but that is a super specialized OBGYN that we have who evaluates moms who have fibroids. So we mentioned that fibroids can cause preterm labor and delivery. We have someone who can evaluate the baby's growth to make sure the baby's growing at an appropriate level, evaluate mom to make sure she doesn't go into preterm delivery. And if it turns out that we're heading in that direction and there's really nothing we can do to stop it because the five are growing, that third that gets larger, we can make plans, identify specialized personnel, pediatricians, you get medications to ensure that the baby does much, much better than the baby would do otherwise. So we have a specialized OBGYN, title is called Maternal Fetal Medicine Specialist. And this is someone who has an expertise in evaluating babies inside the womb. And what our doctor does is for women who have fibroids, they evaluate the growth of the baby to ensure that the baby is growing at an appropriate rate. And they also take a look at certain factors That may put mom at risk for delivering her baby early. If we find that these factors are present and the fibroid is growing and there's nothing we can do, we now have the opportunity to plan for an early delivery, potentially give mom medication that can help the baby survive once the baby delivers. So having a comprehensive approach to treating pregnant moms with fibroids,
0: I think is key. So you are the director of minimally invasive gynecologic surgery at Capital Region Health. I'm very intrigued by the minimally invasive part. How are fibroids treated and what minimally invasive procedures can be done?
1: I'm glad you asked, Amanda. So, you know, Fibroids have been around since the 1800s, and surgeries have been done to treat fibroids and have been successful in removing these tumors that I called early on in our discussion from a woman. However, sometimes these surgeries can be pretty tough to go through. Amanda, typically, up until recently, we saw moms having hysterectomies, which are surgeries that remove not only the tumors but the entire uterus and womb preventing pregnancy being done and mothers having or women having to stay in the hospital for three days with recoveries of four to six weeks. That is what we now term your mother's hysterectomy because now, 2022, we have the ability to not only perform procedures that allow patients to go home the same day, recover within days and go back to work within a week, we also have medications that we can offer to moms who suffer from bleeding, pain, or the symptoms of fibroids, depending upon the size of their fibroids. So your question, minimally invasive surgery, what techniques are available? We have some techniques where we can go in, remove the fibroids, treat the fibroids, Amanda, without any incisions at all. Moms typically go home an hour after the surgery, and some moms go to work the next day, depending upon the fibroids. So smaller fibroids, we can treat that way. Next, we have procedures where we use heat, radio frequency energy. This is the cutting edge stuff. This is what is really, really, really nice. We use radio frequency energy right at the fibroid. We destroy the tissue, we destroy the tumor. The body reabsorbs a lot of that tissue, and the symptoms go away while we're doing the surgery. We can actually see the fibroid shrink. So, this is another minimally invasive technique. These patients also go home an hour after surgery and recover within three to five days. One of the newer techniques we're offering moms who want to maintain their fertility. I have a young mom. She's a millennial. She doesn't have a lot of time to take off from work. She wants to have children, but she has these fibroids. We have the Da Vinci Robotic surgery system that I use to go in with small incisions using our DaVinci robot to remove the fibroid tumors, rebuild the uterus, and allow the mom to go home. Guess what? Same day with a recovery of about seven to 10 days. Now, not all fibroids, Amanda, can we treat in this method? Some fibroids are really large. And we need to perform different procedures. By all means, I do not mean to say that all fibroids can be treated this way. I specialize in minimally invasive surgery. However, some patients require an incision on the abdomen, and we perform those as well.
0: But fewer and fewer people need that. So you really have a whole range of choices now with amazing 21st century technology.
1: We do. We pride ourselves, as I said before, and having a comprehensive approach. So our fibroid center not only offers my expertise in minimally invasive surgery, using medical therapy to treat some of these fibroids, having a OBGYN who's skilled and trained in taking care of patients who have fibroids. We also work with a nutritionist, Amanda, and we know that overall body mass index, weight, your overall body weight plays a role in the growth and the development of fibroids. Those folks who have a larger BMI, and we all know our BMI, you go to your annual exam, your doctor says, hey, this is your BMI, this is your weight, you either got to go on a diet or you're doing well, you keep doing what you're doing. But we know that that weight plays a role. Patients who are heavier, who are obese, tend to have larger fibroids. So when we found that information out, we decided to sit down with a nutritionist and have her sit at our very first consultation with our patients and identify certain risk factors. So in some cases, women can avoid surgery completely if they change their diet and maybe start a medication or just change their diet. So there are a lot of options available that are non-invasive and minimally invasive that we can now offer women to improve their quality of life.
0: That's a really great holistic treatment approach. So get screened, make sure your doc knows if you've had a family history of fibroids, assess your risk factors, and know that there are super minimally invasive techniques to get at these if that's needed.
1: That's right. That's right. We hope that women get the opportunity to get this information. You know, Amanda, I used to do a lot of surgery not long ago, but I find myself educating now more and more. Every patient that comes in the office, I try to give some information that she can take back to her friends, her family members, her sister, her cousin, to just share about the experience that women can now go through if they suffer from uterine fibroids. We currently see patients who were diagnosed three years prior and suffering for fibroids for three years before they come to the office because of the fear of the hysterectomy. So we can get that information out to patients and let them know that you no longer have to have your, quote, mother's hysterectomy, unquote, I think it would be beneficial for all.
0: And that is the reason for podcasts. Spread the word.
1: I love it. I love it. This is great.
0: Dr. Stitt, thank you for these helpful insights, great information. This will help all of us recognize the signs and symptoms and treatments and overall stay healthy.
1: Well, Amanda, I appreciate the opportunity to share my experience with the listeners and I look forward to future podcasts. Please feel free to contact me at any time.
0: Find more shows just like this one at umms.org slash podcast. Thank you for listening to Live Greater, a health and wellness podcast brought to you by the University of Maryland Medical System. We look forward to you joining us again.